from the creators of Relevant Magazine. This is the Relevant Podcast. I'm a Kumaigo. Yeah. I'm a Kumaigo. Putting blood in the ground where he go. Feeling like a hero. Listening to beast mode. Cause I've been flipping tables in the temple on my soul So the gold of who I am like it was dope and plastic bags Now I'm holding on the hope of what I have With a coffin broken open and a dagger in my hand singing I'm a dead man walking, I got nothing to lose I'm a dead man walking, I got blood in my shoes I'm a dead man walking, I got nothing to prove I'm dead already, ain't nothing that the devil can do I'm a dead It's man. a week on Friday, March 2nd, 2018 And it's the Relevant Podcast yeah. I'm your host Cameron Strang And here with me in our Orlando yeah. studios our producer, my brother, Chandler Strang. Hello. It's a different show this week. <laughs> On the Skype line from Loverland, Virginia, Jesse Carey. Hello, hello. Joining us from Nashville, Tennessee, our newest podcaster, uh, author, speaker, podcaster, Annie F. Downs. Good morning, gents. Cameron, you're so smiley today. And back in black from Nashville, Tennessee, Tyler Huckabee is joining us. Hey, y'all. Eddie is off this week on assignment. I am smiley. I just had uh, breakfast with our friend Don Miller. What did you guys eat? I had avocado <laughs> toast. <laughs> Oh man, that's so delicious! <laughs> I li- no, I'm not a millennial, but I it was delicious. I'll tell you that much. So let me pepper. ask: it, Is it just toast with avocado spread on did it? Did you put an egg on it? Uh, I did not get the poached egg because uh, oh. it was actually my second breakfast today. So I thought oh, wow. I thought it'd be light. Uh, that- Cameron, can you, Cameron, can you give us any uh, updates from the life of Don Miller? Any juicy details? Uh, he's really into real estate right now. He's thinking about buying more things. Oh, uh, oh man! Whoa! Don't don't get too hot. We're this is a family <laughs> podcast. <laughs> whoa! 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 Pump the brakes! You did Don? Let, did Don tell you to talk about that? Uh, Story Brand is doing well. We talked about our our friend Bob Goff, who has a new book coming out. Uh, very exciting it's coming out in a few yeah. weeks we just talked to him recently uh, spoiler alert but i got yeah. some i got some Boy, y'all are breaking so much news today i got some oh. dish on bob and don's friendship it was a lot of a lot of a lot of scoops it was awful wow we had a good wow. time I'm, no, I'm that sounds like don wanted to I'm come reeling. through uh he was in uh today actually that we're recording is is bob's birthday and he was in town this morning as well and so we were texting with him but uh, uh don wanted to come by and see the new studio because he's thinking about getting a space up in nashville for his team and he wanted to see what we we're doing here so it was fun it was good seeing him that's fancy hey tyler huckabee i went and saw uh, black panther last night just because i know we'd be talking today oh did you uh, can you give me your uh, i don't know if we can do a spoiler review yet do we do we do spoiler alerts on the on the podcast no, can you no, give me a spoiler free review stop. yeah do a spoiler free yeah. review yeah okay um i liked it i mean i don't know how to i don't know how to use spoilers when you when you do review i would only know how to non-spoiler review because i'm not gonna tell it ends i'm just gonna say <laughs> I really liked it. And the whole time I was comparing it to your Twitter train of um, it being the Lion King. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Can we Spoiler talk about my, my Twitter train for just a second? I promise this is not going to get too insidery or too long. Okay. But I spent, this is not an exaggeration. I spent days. I spent I days it. going through the going through the re- release Black Panther footage and finding corresponding Lion King imagery in an attempt to line up these side by side shots of what of a shot from Black Panther that they've released and a shot from Lion King as part of a weird like weird Twitter conspiracy theory that Black Panther was just going to be a remake of Lion King, thinking that like this is going to be it. 
my ship's going to come in. I'm going to release this Twitter feed. It's going to, people are going to laugh about it. It's going to next, like I'm going to wake up next morning. Buzzfeed's going to be all over it. Relevant, obviously, is going to be posting the whole thing. That's just, that's just a given. The White House is going to be giving me the Medal of Honor or whatever. Probably like three retweets altogether (laughs) on this. Like total, total. And now I found out that Annie Downs, of all people, is aware of it, did not, to my knowledge, even retweet it. And, and, and I'll say decency. this. She was unimpressed. Just a very unimpressed. No, no, no. I needed to see the movie first. I will actually do it this very day. I will do it this very day because now that I've seen the film. Tyler, I, I have a different theory of why. I, I mean, listen, let's be real here. Y- you have a very white following, I assume. And, uh, and, well, and well, I, yeah. I, I think as a white person retweeting things about Lion King and African movies, <laughs> I just, you just, you just don't know how it's going to land. You know what I mean? So you just kind of go, Oh, okay. Good for yeah. Tyler. He just, he went Days there. well spent. Yeah. <laughs> it's part of the brand. It's all part of building the brand. Yeah. I, I really want to own the Disney Marvel cinematic universe intersection on Twitter. And it's a lonely space right now. I admit it, but I'm building Is it. That a it's, thing? it's a start. Is that a thing? Is there some conspiracies about Marvel and Disney being one? I'm, like well, I said, are it's one. a lonely space right now. Well, Disney yeah, does Dis- own Marvel Disney owns now. them. Yeah. yeah, true. It oh. is. A, yeah, it's a, yeah, yeah. So there's layers here. I thought through it, but but <laughs> I would I will admit that it was not my most successful uh, venture. <laughs> but maybe the media. most time consuming. Yeah, probably not even the most. Uh, definitely the most time consuming <laughs> by a significant margin. You spend more time on that than cover stories he's written for us. That is 100% true. (laughs) Um, We have a great show in store for you today. Coming up later, uh, Rich Wilkerson Jr. joins us. He's pastor in Miami. Uh, He was the guy who uh, married Kim and Kanye, if you remember. Yeah, he is. That that briefly comes up in our conversation. He's he's an author. He had his own TV show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Kim, yeah. Oh, Kim Kardashian and Kanye West. Okay, I got gotcha. you. Oh, okay. I'm tracking now. Yeah. Not Rich Wilkerson Jr. Yeah. Uh, also coming up, uh, Jonathan Merritt and Kirsten Powers uh, joined us. She's a, a, a political commentator on CNN. Jonathan Merritt is a, a, an author and religion reporter. Uh, they come on to discuss uh, how to navigate faith and politics and some of the big issues that Christians must engage with. Uh, Jesse, why are Jonathan and Kirsten joining us to talk about faith and politics? Well, it just so happens that this spring they have a new podcast launching with RPN called The Faith Angle. Trailer out now. I'm Please so subscribe. It's gonna be it's gonna be awesome. And and uh, we're excited to have them on the show today. They they are the most qualified people ever to do anything with us. Can yes, I just seriously. say that? <laughs> I mean, present company excluded. Yeah. Rude. <laughs> well, well, that's true. Yeah, that's a good like, show. Even in my phone conversations with them, they're both so authoritative. Yeah, that's true. Way, that's true. That's you know? true. I'm so I, stoked I wanna, about I that show, Jesse. This. I'm glad you are doing that. Yeah, it's awesome. I want to say this about a week ago, uh, maybe two weeks ago, I get a call from Jonathan Merritt on my phone and he doesn't call very often. I pick up and we're uh, impressed, hey, Jonathan. and he says, <laughs> and he says, he, <laughs> he doesn't call very often. End of story. And, He's end like, of story. I read this theory you have going about the Lion King and dude, it's very offensive. And Jonathan Merritt and, <laughs> Lion, and Black Panther. And he, and he, said, and he said, hey, listen, man, Not I feel related. like it's pretty problematic. <laughs> <laughs> you might want to take that down. Yeah. He said, he said, Tyler, I am here with Kristen Powers. And can you tell me how in the heck when you record a podcast, you stop, he pauses, 
Okay, wait. I think I got it figured out. Hangs up. Never called me back again. That was the extent of the conversation. (laughs) (laughs) So, learned a lot about your friendship, Justin. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) it's going to be weird doing a show this week without Eddie. Uh, We're, you know, inside baseball. We're recording two shows in one week. You guys are hearing it at the normal pace, but we had to record this a week and a half ago because uh, tomorrow morning, around four in the morning, I'm leaving. Jesse's leaving. We're going to uh, Somalia. Um, yeah, we, we aren't able to, we were told not to mention that via, via social media prior to arriving, but by the time you hear it, we will uh, be on our way back. But yeah. actually, are we going oh, to Somalia really? or Somaliland? So from what I understand, like technically the international community, including the United States only recognizes, uh, Somalia, but Somaliland pretty much operates autonomously and prefers to only be recognized as their own country. Um, so it's a little complicated, but we are going to Somaliland, which like I said, it's, it's in the, uh, northern part of the country away from like Mogadishu, the capital. Uh, and they actually have their own capital city, which is where we're flying in and out of. So Jesse, Jesse's done a lot of research. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I'm I'm schooled on this. Now. I literally and haven't. I haven't packed one thing. I haven't thought about the trip at all. We're leaving in about ten hours. Uh, I, I, <laughs> I I I have a tendency because I have a very full life. I have a tendency yeah. that once I get on the plane, I'll say, "Okay, where am I going? Okay, let me read up on that." The yeah. first time I went to Africa, I uh, I'm very embarrassed about this, but I'll tell you how unprepared I was. Uh, I was. It was a very like last minute trip. I was invited to go to Rwanda. And, um, I'd never been there. This is back in 2008 and I'd never been there. Didn't, you know, I knew of the genocide and all that, but I didn't really know much about the country. And so it was a very last minute trip. I'd get on the plane. I literally am like, what do I do? So I pull my laptop out and I start watching hotel Rwanda. (gasps) You know, you don't watch hotel Rwanda (laughs) on a plane with Rwandans going to Rwanda. Uh, just a, uh, just (laughs) just a little tip there. The little travel tip pro tip. Um, here's the irony. We all land. I didn't know who I was meeting. I hoped somebody would meet me at the airport. They did. We had a group. Uh, I didn't know the group. Wait, you didn't know who was picking you up? You just got on a plane no. and thought, someone will grab me? No, it literally. I mean, not, Rick Warren emailed me a few days earlier, and he said, hey, I'm going to Rwanda. You should go with me. I got on a plane. That's what you do. And yeah. so I landed, hoped somebody would pick me up. Somebody did. Uh, the entire group, I mean, was planned You know, earlier. They were staying at the uh, Inter- Intercontinental Hotel. It's a very nice hotel. Uh, there was no more uh, rooms. And so I, by myself, got put in a cab to go to my own hotel. Nope. It pulls up the driveway to the Hotel Mikolin, which was Hotel nope. Rwanda. No, Cameron. Oh my! I didn't turn straight kidding. to the Are airport. Are you serious? Dude, I'm staying by my first time in in Rwanda. I go into the room. Whoa. The interior of the hotel is all 1990s no. fabrics. It's exactly how it was when wow. that happened. That's and I'm a nightmare. sitting there in this room by myself, going, "What is my life right now?" You know, I mean, it was just one of those things. Jesse, this is your tomorrow, bud. Yeah. I know, I know. I I need to watch a film about Somaliland to really uh, bone up on the plane. Now, explain again why you shaved your beard, Jesse. Yeah. So, Jesse, if you can't see him, this theater of the mind, I'll describe it. Jesse, for the first time in his life, totally clean shaven right now. I know, because I told Cameron, I'm like, look, we're going to be gone for a week. I don't want to deal with shaving. I don't want to shave like on on a trip. I just want to, I'm just going to go and let it go for a week. I figure I just timed it out right. You know, (laughs) are you prepared, Jesse? Do you need any tips on traveling internationally? I know you haven't been to Africa before. I haven't been to Africa before. I've traveled internationally, uh, you know, a handful of times, but, uh, I mean, I, you know, I'm happy to hear any tips that you have. I, I don't, I don't, I don't know what to ask, but if you have any, don't overpack. 
I plan okay. on wearing the same jeans a bunch. Just don't overpack. Yeah. Uh, bring power bars because you just don't know yep. when and yeah. where you're going to be able to eat. And even if you have a full meal, it may not be filling. <laughs> just, yeah. you know, um, and everything else should be okay. Uh, bring bring, bugs, bring bu- stuff to help you sleep. Bring what's that stuff called? Melatonin. The natural stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I have that. And also like, so Cameron was giving me a hard time before we started recording. Cause I said, Hey, are you bringing like a m- multiple button up shirts? Yeah. Right. Because we're going to be, we're, we're going to be, you know, going to see the humanitarian efforts of a famine. So I just want to know his button up, number of button up shirts. Right. And he asked, he acts like that's a ridiculous question. A ridiculous question. And I'm the one who's bringing malaria pills and Cameron is going, oh, is going pill nightmares. free. Pill free. Yeah, dude. I don't it, understand why, why nightmares? Like what, what, and it causes malaria that. pills yeah. give you nightmares. One, there's that, one set of malaria pills that said. that's like their number one side effect. So that's he's gonna so start bizarre. dreaming that he's in Hotel Rwanda. That, oh, <laughs> hey, no. the doctor literally said when she was giving to me two days ago, she goes, "Take start taking these one day before your trip." I've just given you a heads up. You're gonna have very vivid, colorful dreams. They'll be colorful. Yeah, I told dreams. you not to get them. All Jesse. I had was Annie in my head saying, "You're gonna have horrible, horrible nightmares." So I'm gonna take them tonight. Today's day one. I'm kind of looking forward to it. I'm kind of seeing what kind of like. It's, Inception, inception level I can go. To be honest, it's kind of it's kind of a thing I'm looking forward to. You know, I'm looking forward to bed tonight. For that, it's gonna be terrible. That's awful. So, Cameron, how many dress shirts are you bringing? Let's it's just lay this shirts. out here right now. I'm not wearing dress shirts. I'm wearing what I wear to work, which is jeans and a untucked but button down a shirt. Down right now. Yeah, I'll wear yeah. this and then and then sneakers. I mean, it's we're not going on a safari. I mean, we're going to be in towns and villages, meeting with people who are affected by the famine, seeing the efforts to save lives. I mean, it's not going to be, you Cameron, know. I mean, Jesse, on behalf of Cameron, I'd like to apologize for his tone. He's taking with you. Like you're an idiot for not knowing how to be in a famine. Yeah, I, I'm just saying, is a t-shirt appropriate? That was the All question. Right. I would say bring whatever you're comfortable in, but just remember, so I've already a, told I can't wear what I'm it's comfortable in. It's a very cut off shorts. <laughs> <laughs> just remember, it's a closed Muslim country and, what and skin is no an shorts. issue. And so long sleeve shirts would be preferable versus t-shirts. Hmm. Uh, no shorts. Absolutely no shorts. That's, uh, that's, so crazy to me. I wear I wear long sleeve. I wear the button down because of the long sleeve shirt. Number one, it's you know more conservative looking. But number two, uh, you know just a uh, bug deterrent. You know I have the malaria pills, so I'm. <laughs> <laughs> Tyler, have you ever taken the malaria? I have pills? malaria pills and sweet dreams every night. Real <laughs> horrific, vivid ones. Hey, if I if you awake to night terrors, Cameron, just like if you awake to someone just going. <laughs> It's because of the malaria pills, and it's another horrific, horrific night. I took the malaria pills one time, but I I don't remember anything about dreams. I just got nauseous one time. I threw up or whatever right now. Jesse, I do want to apologize. Uh, uh, The trip organizer was trying to book us on the same flights, you know, and uh, I was going to fly to your town, and we were going to fly together. I am no longer flying with you. You are flying by yourself. Uh, I am. (gasps) Oh, really? Jesse's face. If the world could have seen Jesse's face. Uh, well, no, it's, it's all you know. Truth, truth be told, um, I didn't know that we weren't on the same flight. But I, they gave us two flight options, and one of the one of the flights because we're flying coach. One of them was with Emirates Airlines. Emirates, their coach experience is like a premium class on other airlines. It's fantastic food, big spacious seats. Glad you thought of, of me tech. too. And because I was, I was like, like well, Ethiopian I mean, Airlines. Listen, I googled it last night. It's owned yeah. by the Ethiopian government. I'm sure it's lovely. But yeah. why didn't you tell? Cameron. So I'm like, oh, I'm flying Emirates. And so I'm yeah, going to New York. Yeah, why didn't you say, hey, Jesse, pro tip, 
Hey, Go Emirates. Go Emirates. If you have the choice between Emirates and, and Ethiopian Airlines, <laughs> choose Emirates. Yeah, always choose Emirates. They, it's a it's a like a lounge up there. It's wonderful. Emirates hazing you from start to finish. Exactly. What is this about? I assume... You're asking it's a ridiculous question. We're going to be walking in a humanitarian site if a t-shirt is appropriate. Yeah. I get hazed for that, yeah. and then he didn't give me. He didn't even tell me what airline to fly. I, I'll just this tell you is, this. Now you're flying this by yourself starting to off Africa. Great. This I've is flown, not starting I've off flown great. internationally enough to know that to know that the uh, airline experience makes or breaks the entire trip because you're crammed in there with a lot of people. And yeah, such thanks. a monster, Cameron. So I assume Jesse. That they were going to book us both on Emirates because I was yeah. just saying, hey, by the well, way, Emirates you is know preferable. What ha- hey, you know what happens when you assume? <laughs> you get, get nightmares. You get stuck on Ethiopian Airlines. That's okay, what I'm going to be. Here's what's going to happen. Here's Cameron's in the lap of luxury, wearing a conservative, untucked dress shirt. I am in my safari tank top, crammed in an airline. Would take overdose on malaria pills, having night terrors the entire time, and telling everybody how Lion King is just like Black Panther. It's gonna be terrible. It's interesting. We should be going to Africa because you know I have this theory about Jesse. I'll send you the talking points. Don't worry about it. I got this. That's what's gonna. That's that's the picture I'm playing out, Cameron. You've left me totally unprepared and insecure about this trip. I'm gonna, thanks, thanks a lot. I'll have We're leaving in an sleeping hour. mask and you know the the hot. T- Towelettes in the morning. I will land refreshed and ready to go. You will be sweaty. I'm in a mesh tank top because I want to stay cool and comfortable out there. No one told me. No one told me to dress like I'm business casual. Okay. I've gotten very few details. The details I have, I looked up on the internet, which thankfully I I know. But I'm. I, you know, I'm bailing. I'm bailing. Who wants to go? Yeah, serious, Jesse. That was going to be my next suggestion. Just forget it. Just don't get on the plane. Honestly, I've seen Jesse in one dress shirt, the same dress shirt, multiple times once a year at the relevant Christmas party. Jesse wears the same white dress shirt. All right, we don't need to wear dress suit. shirts. We're not going to church. So we don't need to wear dress shirts. Just be comfortable. You know. I think it's the only button-up thing Jesse has, though. You know. <laughs> you know what? Go over to like a Dick Sporting Goods or something. Get one of those like Columbia kind of like fishing yeah. shirts things. Yeah. You know the that they wear on, on the safaris back, like the with the flap. flap. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah do that. You just got to air out my back like it buttons up, and they air <laughs> right. out the back. That's what those are made for. And right? also, as if you can trust Cameron on anything international. I don't. Right now. I don't That's because really I saw. Okay, one of the guys we're going with, Brian, texted us a very common hat and I don't think he's joking about wearing it so <laughs> no <laughs> he said he said and he said like here's what we're gonna do blah blah and I will be wearing my travel hat and you know you're, you're gonna make fun of me if but- you would have gotten this picture you would not say this is a dress shirt scenario if you saw the hat <laughs> he's wearing you would not it's think. not a dress shirt scenario it's just a button down shirt scenario it's is uh, it like a bucket hat is that I'm picturing like a utilitarian it's, a, it's woven hat. it's, it's, it's the a the woven large I, Cameron I don't it's it's a how would you even describe that hat? I, I didn't get the text. I Does think it he just a, said like it to a you. Neck cover, like where it comes, like a, like a little cape in the back. Yeah, I, it might as well. It might. It's very large. I couldn't see the full perimeter, <laughs> but if it had accessories, it wouldn't I have surprise no me. No 
Are image. you talking like Nothing a Bob Marley, like a a Bob Marley knit hat? No, I'm talking like it's it's like woven out of some kind of like kind of straw like safari hat. Okay. okay, you would see this and you would not think business casual. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> you can see how I was mistaken to think I'd be fine in jeans and a t-shirt. That's all. That's all I'm saying. I, I, you will be fine in jeans and a t-shirt if you prefer to wear that. I would just throw a you know a jean shirt or you know some other long nope, sleeves. Nope. Do not throw a jean shirt anywhere. Hey, I was going to go. Listen, because now Cameron has me questioning, I'm going full Leno. I'm going <laughs> double denim tucked in the whole time because that's a, you know why Jay Leno wears that. It's hardy. Yeah, it's 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 very hardy. He can be in the garage one second yeah. and doing a sit down interview the next. It's very versatile. The full <laughs> Leno. I'm yeah, going the, full Leno this trip. Isn't that called a Canadian tuxedo? Yeah. yeah. Well, no, that's the jacket and the jeans. Oh, okay. Uh, matching uh tyler wears that a lot right the matching who do you think has the more iconic post uh night show look letterman with the new the santa claus beard or leno with the denim on you say iconic you gotta go letterman though yeah yeah I, I I don't know. I mean, Leno, Leno, it like you, it, it, you know, it's like if if Letterman like did his next episode of his Netflix show and he's clean shaven, it would be like notable. We're like, oh, I can't. I literally cannot picture Jay Leno wearing anything but double denim or full suit. But did he do that like, when he was when he had the show? That's, yeah, that's I think he was always thing. double denim. Yeah. yeah. Do you think he wears like the black leather belt with the uh, with the silver like triangle tip? You know, like in the oh, yeah the Texas. <laughs> Little, yeah, <laughs> like Texas. He has a bolo tie. He doesn't always put it yeah. on, but he has it. And oh, for then, sure, it's one hundred percent reversible. Like it's brown leather on the other side. Right. <laughs> I don't think Jay Leno's the type to own much jewelry, yeah. but if he does, you know, turquoise is involved. Yeah, it's, a yeah. Yeah. it's a very I, I southwestern. Money that Tyler flag. Huckabee owns a bolo tie. You, you, uh, you don't need nobody take the bet because he's right on the money. Right on the money. Yeah, I knew it. Uh, when I was in fifth grade, multiples. I, I multiples. know I've told this story, but when I was in fifth grade, my only bolo tie experience was uh, the guy who taught music class, this little tiny Christian school I went to. Um, we had a uh, combined music class with the fourth and fifth grade. And, uh, and, and he, was, he was like the school janitor, but he like doubled as the music teacher. And he wore a bolo tie one day and the, before class, a, a kid raised his hand and said, Mr. Stones, I, I love the, I love, I really like your tie. And he said, Oh, thank you. And he took it off and gave it to the student. And I thought, that was oh. really nice. I raised my hand. Mr. Stones, I really like your pants. Uh, and I got sent to the principal's office. <laughs> <laughs> is that for real? Really? Yeah, that's a real story. It's you a real story. I was a little smart. Not, like, not gonna, not gonna lie. It sounded like it was some joke, like some punchline. Yeah. No, I got sent to the principal's <laughs> office because I was a little smart. Alec in fifth grade. It really did sound like one of those jokes that like your youth pastor tells you at right. summer camp. Right. No. Did you look like Cohen when you were that age, Cameron? Uh, I he yes, he looks like me. Yes. Yeah. 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 That's what I was picturing. <laughs> a little smart Alec Cohen. Yeah. Right. Uh, hey, moving the show along. It's time for our weekly look back at what happened in culture and entertainment. It's time for In Case You Missed It. Hey, In Case You Missed It, Charlemagne the God and Stephen Furtick sat down for an extended conversation about faith, race, and church this week. Uh, the Elevation Church pastor opted for a different approach to his weekly sermon. He showed a video of his conversation with the Breakfast Club radio host. The two are both from the same small town in South Carolina and went to the same school, although they didn't know each other. Uh, the two visited uh, areas in the town to discuss their own personal stories, their roots, and how their upbringing shaped their views on race, social, social issues, and faith. Here's a clip. 
kid, and I wouldn't have seen it in myself. It's funny how when you sit back and you watch how God can direct your steps, so to speak. Like, I thought I wanted to be a rapper. So I meet Willie Will. Willie Will tells me about D93 going to get an internship. So then I, I get the chance to be on the radio. Then Tessa tells me I sound great. And that's just all the spark I need. Like, like that's what my whole story is. My whole story is rooted in a, in a, in a great foundation of spirituality. But then it was a whole lot of divine misdirection because I wasn't doing what God wanted me to do. And like I feel like for people to read that story and see me go all of these different places but end up where I ultimately feel like God wants me to be. And if you ask me right now, what does God want me to do? I know to serve. That's a duo I would not expect to sit down for an extended conversation. Serious, not, me too. Not because, not because of anything about them individually. I would just never assumed that they would cross paths. Hey, in case you missed it this week, Erwin McManus spoke out about the importance of Black Panther at Mosaic Church. Did he happen to bring up anything about the connection to Lion King? Because that's a, that's a big conspiracy. It's been sweeping Twitter. It's it's crazy. It's going crazy. He, he he said he said you know I know you guys have seen this line as three people tweeted this in the congregation and it's problematic. Let's avoid it, please. He posted the clip on Instagram with the caption: "Black Panther is the cultural expression we need right now." And uh, he discussed the significance of the movie's message. Here's, here's a clip. Just to have a powerful message of, of, um, of identity and of meaning and, and giving a sense of even social responsibility and how to redirect what could be bitterness into actually uh, making the world better. It's everything storytelling should be. It's everything filmmaking should be. And I, I'm sitting in the movie, and about two minutes to the end, I have this thought going through my head. I've never been prouder of being black. <laughs> and, and then I remembered I wasn't, and, uh, and I was so disappointed. I mean, I was like, I was like, oh. <laughs> right? And, uh, but, uh, but then I remember when I did that 23andMe, like it goes back, you know, and 30,000 years ago, your people came from Northeast Africa. So I'm claiming it. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, getting, getting a lot of attention. I haven't seen it yet. Yeah. Oh, you haven't? No, I haven't. You're the only person? Yeah. I, I haven't either. Two people. <laughs> oh my gosh. We're the only ones who've seen it, Tyler. We're fl- uh, as, we're, as we're flying over to Wakanda, watch Black Panther. <laughs> Again, probably not the best decision to watch. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. It's very good. I thought it was really interesting. And I, there is an interesting thing happening around it that as a white woman, I said to my friend yesterday, I said, I, I don't connect with it like I'm hearing other people connect with it. But if my black friends feel this connected to this movie, I want to see it because of that. I want to see what they feel so connected to right. so that I can help start understanding better. Well, it's the same reason that they wanted to watch Fried Green Tomatoes because <laughs> of how it, how you connected with it. <laughs> And it helps them understand you. Yeah, I do love a good. I love a good story where they make a human into barbecue. You're exactly right. <laughs> Spoiler alert! I think people people who know me know that I really like. I really like Marvel. I really like the Marvel universe. I've always been a big fan of comic books, and Black Panther was a was a big favorite of mine when I was a little kid. Uh, and, and even if the movie hadn't been, I, I, and I enjoyed the movie a lot, but I think you can still, even if you like, you're not into superhero movies at all. You don't really care about comics. The moment is still really cool to be a part of for this movie to see something super positive that really affirms a, a deeper engagement with issues of race and representation. It's, it's important. I think I would think I would think saying this is a Marvel fan. I think it's important 
important and and cool whether or not you are one. Cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of which, in case you missed it, Black Panther breakout star Latidia Wright uh, discussed how Christianity has changed her life and her career. The actress has garnered brave reviews for stealing scenes as T'Challa's little sister Shuri. While appearing on the UK talk show this morning, it's called this morning. It wasn't that it was this morning. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, Just FYI. Oh, good. Uh, right. I explained how she got burned out by acting and ended up finding Christ, who helped her find a new purpose in life. Here's the clip. I came off from it and I went on a journey to um, discover God and my relationship with God, and I became a Christian. And it really just gave me so much love and light in my within myself, and so much. Um, I felt secure, and I felt um, like I didn't need validation from anyone else or from the from from getting apart. My happiness wasn't dependent on that; it was dependent on my relationship yeah, with God. Because as an actress, you are judged yes, you uh, are. all the time yes. by by producers, yes, um, so, by social media. Yes. And did that by help critics. that break? Have you come back to acting, mm. thinking, "I love my work, mm-hmm. I love my job, but it doesn't define me completely"? It, exactly, and yeah. I'm, I'm centered in who I am, and I'm really grateful. I'm not perfect. Um, especially as a Christian, you're not perfect, you know, but you're walking every day and trying to just stay connected. And, and yeah, it's helped me a lot. So I'm really grateful. Uh, also, okay. In case you missed it, Javier Bardem plays a priest in a new movie called Thy Kingdom Come in which real people confess their sins. Sounds a little voyeuristic. This is, this is oh, a trippy, gosh. this is a trippy story. So back in 2012, director Terrence Malick made a movie called To the Wonder. Uh, in which uh, Javier Bardem plays a Spanish priest in Oklahoma struggling with his faith. Malik shoots a lot of extra stuff for his movies and is known to cut out a lot of footage. So now Eugene Richards, who shot many of the scenes with Bardem, is taking all the extra footage and turning it into his own movie called Thy Kingdom Come. The curveball in all this is that for uh, To the Wonder, Malik had real people come forward to confess their sins to Bardem. They knew Bardem wasn't a real priest, but that doesn't stop them from opening up about deaths in their family, which is they've never been able to realize and regrets they've had. One confession was with a former KKK leader. So Richards told the New Yorker, most people knew him as the murderer in no country for old men. Some didn't know who he was at all. And absolutely no one cared in the end who he was, except that he was there to listen. The movie drops later this year. The trailer, the Tyler, did you watch the trailer for this? I did. Yeah. It, it's pretty stirring. I mean, it, it like, even though they know this is an actor for Train and Priest, the, the, these people are absolutely sincere. It's, it's kind of strange to watch. I'm always, I'm always interested in what Terrence Malick is going to, even when I don't like his movies, and I would say I like about half Terrence of, of Terrence Malick's movies, uh, I'm, like, I'm on board. Like I want to know. the first half? <laughs> yeah, and then and then I'm asleep. I'm, I'm fast asleep. And even if I've taken a malaria pill, I'll wake up with a night terror in the second half. But uh, have you ever watched the whole Terrence Malick movie? Do you know yeah, how long you have to take them after you get back, Jesse? Like it keeps going. You have yeah, to take it's all a week. Of it's a week of of sheer terror, of unmitigated, He'll be unmitigated. Terror. Picture this. Picture this. He's gonna be unshaven, looking disheveled. He's gonna be looking like Joaquin Phoenix in the in that uh, when he was. The rapper, you know. (laughs) As soon as I doze off every night, (laughs) Jesse. Literally, I want you to bring big sunglasses. I want you to bring a black suit, white dress shirt, a black tie, and turn into basically walking the whole time. Yeah, yeah. Hey, in case you missed it, Kathy Lee Gifford started preaching while giving a tribute to Billy Graham on the Today Show. Mm. The longtime talk show host got emotional while discussing the life and legacy of the evangelist who passed away last week at the age of ninety-nine. She then shared why the gospel is powerful, especially in times of mourning. 
Here's the clip. Because my whole family came to faith in Jesus through the Billy Graham organization. Is that right? Yes, and I personally did, going to the first movie that the Billy Graham organization ever put out. It was called The Restless Ones. And it's like God met me in my heart right where I lived. I wanted to be an actress. So where does God meet me? In a movie theater. And at that time, he took a lot of flack for even making a movie. See, I, but, find, but I find this so interesting because you you have the same philosophy as he did, which he used to say, he used to preach about the joy, the joy of Absolutely. belief. Absolutely. That sounds like you. And what just happened for Billy happened for my husband, happened for my mother, for my father. Everybody that dies in Christ goes immediately into the arms of Christ for eternity. That is the hope of the Christian faith. Yes, it gives us the tools we need to live in the world today while we're alive. But that's why I could hold my dead husband in my arms and rejoice because I knew where he was and it gives you the peace that passes all understanding and if we don't have if we've ever needed peace in this world we need it now right and somebody says to me why are you so bold about your faith and I was looking at everybody's beautiful face right now you too <laughs> I said why are you so bold about your faith and I said you know what if you had the cure for cancer would you keep it quiet or would you hold it and keep it a secret and I always say, I have the cure for the malignancy of the soul. And he has a name and it's Jesus. I thought that was amazing. I thought, I love how she just like goes for it whenever she wants to. Yeah. I mean, that was, that was literally just the gospel message. Yeah, I know. It's it it powerful. I just think she's kind of like, I'm Kathy Lee. I can say whatever I want. You know, Jesse and I have a connection to Kathy Lee Gifford. We I do. don't know. We we are, uh, went to the same university. She went to Oral Roberts mm-hmm. University oh, in really? Tulsa, Oklahoma. She was a oh, Richard. Know she was an Oral Roberts singer. She traveled the country yeah. singing on the TV show and stuff. No way. Yeah. Yeah. I thought oh, it was yeah. going to be like an actual connection. Uh, I mean, I know alumnus her, I mean, is not enough. Uh, I, okay. So I was in. I was in <laughs> challenge accepted, Annie. <laughs> I was in Jerusalem last year. And a friend of mine from LA was there and it was like, what are you doing here? And he's like, oh, I'm here with Kathleen Gifford. She wanted to go on a pilgrimage to the, to, you know, the wall and stuff. And so she just brought some of her friends and he was on the trip. And so I met her in Jerusalem last year. Much better story. Okay. Much better story, Cameron. Well yeah. done. I know several women named Kathy. <laughs> so I didn't want to bring it up. I didn't want to be braggadocious. But if you want to go there, we can go there. So my wife's middle name is Lee. So, oh, I'm sorry, Annie. You want me to keep going? Don't you have a Gifford fishing rod? Yeah, I mean, I've, I, I, I assume so. If not, I'm going to purchase one today, Annie F. Helm, so we'll see. All right. Well, that'll do it for in case you missed it. Stay tuned. Up next, Slices. Listen to Courtney Barnett. The song is Nameless, Faceless. At the beginning of the podcast, you heard Joshua Luke Smith. The song is Dead Man. When Chandler found that one, uh, it had 25 listens. On we're just ahead of the curve, you know what I mean? 25. This week's show is brought to you by Blue Apron. Uh, Blue Apron is the leading meal kit delivery service in the U.S. 
Uh, Many of you know what Blue Apron does, but many of you don't know about the types of meals you eat when you cook with Blue Apron, like quick bucatini with broccoli Mm. and pecorino cheese and Italian-style shrimp and sweet pepper. With incredible ingredients and chef-designed recipes, Blue Apron lets you see what the power of food can do. Can I say something about Blue Apron? Please. I've been, I was always intimidated by meals like this. You know, anything that is really more than two ingredients has always been very intimidating. More than bologna and mayonnaise. Yeah. 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 (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Milk, cereal, Uh, you know, ketchup, french fry. That's as deep as I go. Right. I get these Blue Apron kits. They they have like uh, these these sheets that come like these these like pieces of paper that have like pictures and instructions and honestly I felt like okay even I can do this and you know what pulled it off no problem they were delicious there you go Blue Apron delivers fresh pre-proportioned ingredients and step-by-step recipes right to your door that can be cooked in under forty five minutes the menu changes every week based on what's in season and is designed by Blue Apron's in house culinary team. There's actually 12 new recipes each week, and you can pick two, three, or four recipes based on what fits your schedule. Right now, Blue Apron is treating relevant podcast listeners to $30 off your first order when you visit blueapron.com slash relevant. So check out this week's menu and get your $30 off at blueapron.com slash relevant. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. Okay, it's time for slices. What do you have, Jesse? All right, so um, I went down a little bit of a Catfish hole. I was going to say rabbit hole. But I'm saying catfish hole after last week's episode. Man, I'm telling you. Where we had, we had a listener on who ex, who taught us extensively about the art of hillbilly hand fishing. Oh my goodness. I'm talking noodling people. <laughs> it's when you jam your hand down into a hole and use your bare fist. And the intention is to have a catfish bite onto it and you pull it out. And that's how you, you literally catch fish, right? agitate this fish. It's down in the hole to lay eggs. And you agitate it to the point that it's so angry that it lashes out and bites onto your hand you. and yep. you pull your arm up and you've got a somewhere between a 10 and 80 pound catfish hanging on the end. It's crazy. I love that guy. So I'm thinking a lot about this after last week's show. And I'm also thinking about new podcast segment. I'm talking to our uh, our good buddy here at the office, Tyler Daswick, for his next segment of Dazzle Do It. <gasps> last time he went and ate a Jesse. bunch of waffles. So I had an idea. What if we send Daz on a noodling (laughs) adventure? And I set him out on some research. I'm like, Daz will do it. You know, let's take this thing up a notch. Let's. What if we sent you noodling and you came back with an audio experience for us, right? So he goes and does some research. And here's what I was shocked to find. And I need to blow the lid off this, guys. Catfishing, catfishing, (laughs) catfishing is probably legal. (laughs) Noodling is illegal in the state of Florida. By law, it is prohibited to dive underwater, stick your fist in a catfish hole, and pull a live one out. Daz says that there's not even underground societies in Florida. So this is illegal what? in like like eight different states across the country. Uh, this was such a big deal in Texas that uh, this is a headline from uh, the, the the Washington Post back in 2006. Long arm of the law penalizes Texans who nab catfish by hand. They've since noodlers in Texas were so outraged by this law that th- this is a misdemeanor crime. They could be fined $500 and face jail time if they're caught noodling that they actually uh, got at politically active and got catfish 
it got noodling legal in the state of Texas. So right now in Florida, I went, guys, I did a deep dive. <laughs> no pun yeah, intended. Serious. Okay. So this is, this is from, this is from the Florida Fish and Wildlife game, uh, uh website. Freshwater fish may not be taken, uh, out by use of any free floating, unattached device or by taking fish or wildlife with firearms, explosives, electricity, spear guns, poisons, or other chemicals. I'm tracking there. That's not sporting. No <laughs> one wants to fair. see somebody drop a hair dryer in a lake and see all the fish come up. That's not fair. Okay. <laughs> hair dryer fishing, not allowed. not allowed. I get that. Yeah. Seems reasonable. Okay. Allow me to read the next slide. This is Florida law. The, the taking of fish by underwater swimming or diving is prohibited. That line was specifically put in there to prevent legal noodling. If so, the only way you're allowed to catch fish, you can catch them with nets, you can crossbow them, you can catch them with a a, a hook. But they're saying catching with your bare hand isn't sporting. This is insane. It's the most sporting way possible. This is mono a fish. Yeah. This is man versus wild. Y- yeah. Any animal you can commandeer. I don't care if it's a, a you know a, a white tiger. Right. If you commandeer it with your bare hands, yeah. that should be legal. Yeah. This is the law yeah. of nature we're violating here. Is this insane to anyone else? Oh wow! I never thought of it yes, that way. Yes, I can't You're believe t- it. Is that the only? I don't know how deep dive you went, but is that the only state where it's totally illegal? No, there's like eight different states where where it's it's outrageous. It is outrageous that that like I said, I, you're telling me that Uncle Sam is telling me what I can do in the water with my own two bare hands. Yeah. Well, that doesn't seem right to me. And Florida, out of all states, I mean, yeah, like, that's where that's philosophy. Is, Florida, well, they, they don't want anything outlawed. If they could ban right. all laws, they would do it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. If George Washington knew that right now in the state oh of Florida, gosh. I can't, I can't lawfully yeah. go and jam my hand elbow deep into a muddy hole until a disgusting catfish bites onto it, and I throw it up on the dock of a boat and, and give one fist up for America. He would be rolling in his grave yeah. right now. This is what is freedom yeah. if I can't grab catfish by my bare hands in a muddy, disgusting swamp? <laughs> so is dad still going to do it is my question. I, he's not comfortable breaking the law, but I th- as his employer, I think we force him, Cameron. Chandler, here's your mission. Find a waterproof mic. Find a waterproof mic and we're doing this. And then if all else, fair, if all else fails, Cameron, we're going hair dryer fishing in that mic. So we can zap up. Hair dryer fish. <laughs> oh man, camera! I need you. an extension cord and a very old, dangerous hair dryer. I'm just gonna chuck it in the. You know, I need you to man the fuse box for me because when those things break, snap them. Yeah. All right, what do you have, Annie? Okay, so as it is my last week with my Valentine's decorations up, I'm bringing another love story. Also, oh, what do you want to say, Cameron? Go ahead. The AFD I mean, is staying. I this, see. No, this is the Friday, March second episode. Why right. are they still up? Because it's the, it's the end of February. I mean, it's not, we're already in March. We're so y'all will, yes, y'all will already be on your plane back. Jesse will already have a barrage of nasty nightmares and I will already have my Valentine's <laughs> I will be now. right now when people are hearing this, yeah. I will be somewhere over the Atlantic yeah. having the worst night terror you've ever seen. <laughs> I will be wearing my only clean shirt. into which steerage is, on Ethiopia Airlines. Oh with your, which is a, a, a sleeveless American flag shirt that Cameron didn't tell me was inappropriate to wear. Right, 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 right. Uh, also, Andy, can I interrupt? 
interject really quickly of course, here and of just ask you can. what what you mean by Valentine's Day decorations? Oh, right. Sorry, I just have I have a little bit of a Valentine's touch to my mantle currently, and the dudes really love reminding me just that my pink, home decor is lacking. pink, red garland balls, and uh, you know, like That's draped what I'm from yeah. her mantle to celebrate yeah, yeah. the month of Valentine's. Yeah. Man, Let me, I just did. I, wouldn't I love to have that kind of time It's all spent doing Disney conspiracy theories. Yeah, that's right. Some of us have to work for a living. Spent two days on Twitter. Okay, so oh, right, it was more than two days. Yeah, th- movie theories on that's Twitter. That's right. Okay, so here's my story, my slice I found. there. Something else y'all should know about me that I don't know that I've shared fully is I love wordplay. I love when the wrong word is used somewhere. And this story hits all my favorite things right on the head. So this guy is buying, his name is Duncan. He's buying his girlfriend tickets to see the Red Hot Chili Peppers for Valentine's Day, her favorite band. It's in a different town. He buys the tickets. They go there and they realize the crowd doesn't totally look like they expected. (laughs) And so they're like, this is kind of weird. It's, this isn't who usually comes to Red Hot Chili Peppers. And they had actually bought tickets to the world's best bagpipe band, the Red Hot Chili Piper. Oh, <laughs> so they showed up at the Red Hot Chili Pipers concert instead of Peppers. And actually, they ended up loving it, but it was not what they signed up for. But I think that is that is the best. When I go on dates and weird stuff like that happens, those are the best ones. Because they're yeah. so memorable and hilarious. How many people? How many tickets do the Red Hot Chili Pipers sell that are in it? That are actually Red Hot Chili Peppers. But fans I enjoy that they did that because they're going for the confusion, and it's like once they're in the door, we're going to win them over. It's like the band that you know names themselves Free Beer Tonight. Yeah, and so the yeah. the theater marquee just says Free Beer Tonight. Yep. Place is packed. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's right. To be Brilliant. announced or yeah, secret show or something like that. You know, like yeah. just get him in the door and hey, maybe you'll win him over. You know? Who knows? Yeah. 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 They won yeah. Duncan and his girlfriend over. They are now not only big Red Hot Chili Peppers fans, but also Red Hot Chili Pipers. <laughs> what do you have, Tyler? Okay, so did we, we may have seen this, but I didn't really. I I saw some people like chattering about this, and I didn't click on it because because I've got a lot going on. Um, but there, are you seriously going to report something that you didn't bother to click on? But uh, no, now I've clicked on it now oh, okay. today, and I want to catch people like people like me who maybe heard something about the Jeff Bezos clock and didn't know what was going on with the Jeff Bezos clock. Did you guys read anything about? Did you see this like happening? No. Okay. Yeah. This is insane. So Jeff Bezos, the the like sometime on and off again richest man in the world, uh, founder of Amazon, owns a mountain in Texas. And he found the the blueprints that a scientist by the name of Danny Hillis put together uh, 30 or 40 years ago for a 10,000 year clock. This clock is 500 feet tall. He's installing it into the base of his mountain. It has a the second hand is a ticks once a year and then it takes once a, and then the minute hand takes once a century and it'll keep track of 10,000 years. Uh, and this way, it's going to outlive Jeff Bezos. It'll outlive Amazon. According to him, it's going to outlive the United States and political dynasties and, and whatever else happens with the world. You know, North, North Korea sends bombs over. Everything else is gone. But this clock is going to outlive it all. He says it's more of a conceptual art piece designed to encourage people to be good stewards of humanity's distant future. My question for you guys is, 
why? Yeah. Yeah. Why? Would Literally, you... that is the only thing I'm wondering over here. Right. You, you know, you have too much money when you're like, "What should I do with one of the mountains that I own?" And you're like, "Oh, I know, a weird conceptual clock that will last ten thousand years that no one can see because I'm burying it inside a mountain, and I'm going to spend. I have no idea. I'm going to guess it's more than a few million dollars. Who wants I to? Mean, who wants but, to get? I have. I have the number. I have the cost right in front of me. Who wants to take a stab uh, at it? Jesse, um, you're in the ballpark. Million. Yeah, eight million would be a lot. It's forty-two million dollars. Forty-two million. <laughs> <laughs> Think about what can be done for forty-two million dollars. Think about what we can, can be have, done with forty-two million dollars. I would set up a, if you know, if I was just to blow forty-two million dollars, it'd be hilarious in, in a hilarious way. I would start the largest political uh, uh, lobbying arm in the world, and it would just be to get noodle legalized. It would be the National <laughs> Noodling Association, right? And we would be everywhere, right. just a noodling activist. Okay. Well, on that note, we'll keep the show moving. That'll do it for Slices. Stay tuned. Up next, Rich Wilkerson Jr. joins us. Listening to Big Thief. The song is Mythological Beauty. I think it's just like a grab bag of words sometimes, you know? Well, this week's show is brought to you by Quip. Uh, when it comes to your health, brushing your teeth is one of the most important parts of your day. That's why Quip has combined dentistry and design to make a new electric toothbrush that packs just the right amount of vibrations into a slimmer design at a fraction of the cost of traditional electric brushes. With Quip, guiding pulses alert you when to switch sides, making brushing uh, the right amount effortless. Jesse, that's for you. It's a little... And then you go, oh, okay, I'll switch now. Yeah. I mean, because usually I do that by hand and my teeth are in very terrible shape right yeah now. it's like you, one side of your mouth is just rubbed raw and the other side is is moldy <laughs> it's completely so, rotten it's it's uh yeah it's like two-face yeah. i look like two-face from batman in my mouth yeah. <laughs> i have a harvey dent my 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 teeth are like harvey dent i don't know why i do that but uh you know uh, right now, Quip's subscription plan refreshes your brush on a dentist-recommended schedule every three months for just five bucks, including free shipping worldwide. No wonder Quip is backed by a network of over 10,000 dental professionals and was named one of Time Magazine's best inventions of the year. Find out why for yourself. Quip starts at just $25, and if you go to getquip.com slash relevant right now, you'll get your first refill pack for free with a Quip electric toothbrush. That's your first refill pack free at getquip.com dot com slash relevant spelled g-e-t-q-u-i-p dot com slash relevant rich wilkerson jr is the pastor and founder of miami's vu church and the author of the new book friend of sinners and that he explores the dangers of christians uh cutting themselves off from people who think differently from them and looks at what we can learn from the examples set by christ we recently spoke with rich about the book and how vu is reaching culture through art here is rich wilkerson jr 
I love the title of the book, Friends of Sinners. Yeah. Well, where did that come from? Because it's such a unique title, you know, especially kind of in this day and age, like you see a lot of books that, um, you know, kind of um, challenge people's like kind of lifestyle and, and are like personal spiritual development. But this seems like a fresh topic. Where did that come about? Well, a friend of sinners obviously is one of the great nicknames given to Jesus, and I've always just found it to be uh, provocative and and scandalous in the way that it sounds. And it seems to me like two thousand years later that it's it's still provocative. And so I just I like the sense that it's like a kind of a timeless title to me. You know what I mean? It just has this essence to it that you're kind of it's intriguing. But um, yeah, I, I think what happened was what I wrote a book uh, about two years ago called Sandcastle Kings. And, um, I started kind of touring or traveling or talking about that book. And it was just amazing as I was kind of getting an interview like this, just how a lot of the questions would come back to people and maybe some of my friends and people that I do life with or how we do life. And just a lot of questions, a lot of curiosity around maybe, um, what they thought was maybe the appearance of evil or guilty by association. And in all of that, this soundbite kind of kept erupting out of me, which is just, it's not an original soundbite. I don't know where I heard it the first time, but just that people aren't projects. People are people, you know? Yeah. And I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to treat you like projects. And so in all that, I just started thinking that I feel like I'm getting asked about this a whole lot. And I feel like Jesus himself was the best at this. He was so good at befriending and doing life with so many different types of people. And he was constantly being criticized and constantly being questioned about why he was there. Who was that person? And ultimately, um, it was because he came to befriend all of us that were all sinners. And so for me, it's kind of been, I think it's a cool journey to follow up Sandcastle Kings, which is a, a book about building your life on Jesus. This is a book really about God's extravagant love, God's mission to win back humanity, and then our response as believers to mimic and become like Jesus on this earth in the sense of being carriers of the gospel, which would be to be friends of sinners ourselves. I, just to play devil's advocate a bit because of, of something yeah. like when I was like growing up, you know, the, you know, I grew up in a Christian home and, you know, went to youth group and, you know, the whole kind of evangelical experience and the things that a lot of leaders would say was like, you, you know, you got to be careful who you hang out with because, you know, they'll sure. end up influencing you more than you influence them. But, you know, this kind of runs counter to that to a degree. How do you find the balance of hanging out with people that you're having a positive impact on, but also when it comes to like lifestyle, maybe differences is the best word to say yeah. that, that they're not impacting you in a way that is is negative. Absolutely. Well, I think number one, I, I obviously pastor a, a local congregation here in Miami and I probably preach the exact same messages. You got to be careful who you're spending the majority of your time with. Show me your friends. I'll show you your future. I believe in all of those things. Um, I think when it comes to the idea of the balance, I think that we've got to look at the life of Jesus once again. Jesus spent the majority of his time with 12 dudes who he was discipling that were like-minded, that they were sharpening one another. Yet together and collectively, they were impacting and going into spaces and going into areas and not afraid to bring light really into the night. And so I think the balance is different for all of us. I would definitely say that I think people need to journey and have a close group of people around them that are like-minded. The Bible talks very, you know, that, uh, you know, bad company corrupts good character. And so I think we have to be aware of those things for sure. And you need to determine, are you being influenced or are you influencing? But even in that sense, this book is not about a scorecard in that regard. It's about seeing people for who they are and seeing them as God's creation and loving them where they are 
and not feeling the pressure that it's up to you to change people, but really allowing that to be God's God's role. Our role is to love. Our, our, our role is to serve. Our role is to come around and to partner with people. And so um, I think when it comes to a balance, I definitely think that you need to make sure that you've got people around you that are speaking life into you, that are like-minded, that have the same convictions as you, all those types of things. But, um, but when it comes to the fact, should we be stepping into spaces and engage with people? The answer is absolutely yes. We see Jesus do it left and right. You make such an interesting point there that it's not about, you know, it's not our job to like change them. Like that's ultimately God's job. And and that's what like, that's what, that's the heart of this thing. You know what I mean? I'm trying to get like, I I feel like there's a big, huge like divide and dichotomy oftentimes, especially when it comes to Christians where it's all this either or world when it's like, man, we're in such a both and time. we, We need to definitely give them the truth but we have to do that with grace. And I think for me, I just, on my journey, so many times it's like, man, you're with those people, but they haven't changed yet. Well, like what you'll discover in the gospels is that Jesus was with people and they didn't change yet. You'll also find Jesus in the gospels that we don't have any evidence that he actually shared the gospel. We just see him hanging out with them. The first chapter of the book is called Miss Message. And it's the story of Matthew, the tax collector, also known as Levi, when he gets completely radically changed by Jesus. But then the next scene is, Jesus and a bunch of tax collectors at a party hanging out together and the Pharisees show up like, yo, what's this What's this guy doing with all these sinners? And Jesus' answer is so funny to me. He's like, well, I didn't come for the healthy. I, I came for the sick. And I can kind of see the Pharisees. I've been this way going, oh, okay, good, good. We, we like that mission. But, but completely missing the mission. What he was saying is that all of you are sinners. And until you've met me and encountered me, you're all lost. You're all you're all sick. So I came for you, but you have to realize that you're the one that needed to be saved. It's, it's so interesting because I feel like a lot of Christians have sort of been trained that every kind of conversation with people who believe differently right. have to end with like that Thank sort you. of opportunity Thank or like you. you watch these kind of like, some of them are like these cheesy Christian movies and that, that end with like an altar call, but real life yep. doesn't work like that. Uh, th- th- that's, that's the essence of this book. This book is not a how-to. You know what I mean? It's not like, oh, Rich Roberts Jr. explains how to win your friends. It's not, a, it's, you're not going to get that. I think you're going to get, um, I think a lot of the paradigm and the philosophy that we down at VU and our community is trying to, to trying to interpret the scriptures in. But this is a book that's going to try to wreck your thought process on what good and bad is. This is a book that's trying to remind us that we are all sinners saved by grace. This is a book that's reminded that Jesus is the savior. Jesus is the sustainer. And Jesus has come for friendship, relationship with all of us. And I think once we encounter that, that frees us up to model his life more than ever before. And so, yeah, like I haven't, this is not my chance like you know, here's your here's your entry question of how to win someone to Jesus. Yeah. That's the opposite of this book. You know, yeah. like, hey, do you know where you're going to spend eternity? Like that. Yeah. That's not what this book is. This book's about relationship, about loving people, and um, I think that you definitely bring up good points. And I think people have already kind of brought, brought that kind of stuff up to me. Like, where is the line? You know what I mean? And I think that that line has to be really brought to with God, and that you have to. I think legalism is always. It's always starts in your heart. You know what I mean? It's a motivation. It's an intention. Why are you doing what you're doing? I know I'm on a journey to try to love people more than I ever have before. And I'm trying to do so without an end game in mind with going, okay, now we're done. We, we, we finished our, 
what we set out to do. Like, I don't think people are a goal. I don't think people are a project. So um, that's really what, what, what the heart of this book is, is studying Jesus and how he did that. And maybe what that should look like in return on our part. It's it's such interesting timing for the book, too, because I feel like on kind of the macro level, you see this happening in culture to a degree. Um, you know, these intersections of, you know, especially in like hip hop and urban music. You know, I know, obviously I know you have a relationship with Kanye West and we see with like Chance and Kendrick, these guys who are yeah. weaving these spiritual questions into other what what would be if you you know categories is maybe like mainstream music but it seems to also tap into a cultural moment that we're having where you know the 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 journey sometimes isn't always black and white sometimes you meet people halfway there absolutely i think that we are um in a very very interesting time and it's been um quite amazing to watch as uh, the gospel Jesus has definitely somehow become a part of mainstream culture. Not that people necessarily believe, but definitely um, people, I think, are listening. And I think, to me, it just shows that people are hungry and people are interested. And so um, they're not interested in religion. They're not interested in a whole set of rules and telling them what they've done wrong. But I think that they are very, very hungry to discover um whether they know it or not, who, who Jesus is and what his, what his real message is. Yeah. And his real message is, is that, hey, I came to take everything that you deserve so that you can get everything that I deserve. And it's scandalous. It doesn't make sense that God would come and befriend us, a fallen world, uh, depraved people. Yet that's who he is. He's, he's the God who comes to us because we couldn't get to him. And um, I, yeah, I, I hope that people resonate with it. I hope that it um, is a book that gets into lots of hands. And I'm hoping it's a book that gets beyond, quote unquote, you know, the, the box of evangelical Christianity. I'm hoping it does get into culture. I'm hoping it does get into some people's hands because I think whether you're a believer or not, I think if you're a non-believer, it's going to be really, really a hopeful, encouraging um, message of hearing the gospel, seeing what Jesus did, who he was. But then on the flip side, I think if you are a believer, I think it's going to have some good challenges there. And hopefully it results in some adjustments and some practical things that we can do as people. One of the things for me is just going, hey, you know, we can we can disagree and not disrespect people. Yeah. Like that's one of my biggest prayers. You know what I mean? Like I'm that guy who like I just believe if we could just get everyone to have dinner together, we could solve a lot of problems. You know? Yeah, so, yeah, totally. Um, I, I'm kind of I'm just kind of hoping just because we disagree doesn't mean we get to disrespect. Um, and just because we don't agree on everything doesn't mean that we can't accept one another. Rich, I know I want to talk briefly about VU because you guys are doing such cool yeah. things and, um, you know, really have made an effort to, um, I mean, almost do the church version of this to a degree yeah. where, you know, you do, you have the ability, you know, to reach people, reach Christians and kind of build up the church, but also engaging the community there with all these kind of different projects you have going on, even the culture, you know, with, um, I, I was talking with Cameron and about, you know, the installation at, at Basel and all this cool stuff. Yeah. What, what's your approach to engaging the local community and engaging the culture at large from a church perspective, not just the individual perspective? perspective, but as, as what the body of Christ can do. Yeah. I, I really think that what you're saying is, is that, yeah, like I, I think as individuals come together, we are the body of Christ. And as we come together individually, and as we come together collectively, and as we start to, as we start to live this stuff out, hopefully 
um, we see greater things than what the VU Church has been able to accomplish. But I think at VU Church, we've just got different things that we like adamantly believe. So the day we started our church, it's like we're going to do monthly service projects. And those have always just been a seed in the ground. We want to do daily and weekly service things. And we just called them I Love My City. But the whole premise and the whole tagline was is that we're not called to change a city. We're called to serve this city. And then we always say, if we serve the city, God will change it. Well, I can't tell you how many stories of people have started going to our church because on Saturdays once a month, hundreds of people show up to do like, you know, I don't know, clean up the streets, paint public schools, uh, go to children's homes, go to elderly homes and play music. Like people that do not know Jesus, people that do not go have any kind of a church background have come to those Saturday meetings and now ultimately are in church saved. And... I just, I just believe in that stuff. I've, I've had people attack me for saying that. They say, that's wrong. We're called to bring change. And I know what they mean. And obviously, I, I think that we are to be change agents. But I'm just saying that the tactic, the methods of how we get there is not for me to set up and say, we're here to change Miami. We're here to serve Miami. We're here to love Miami. We actually think we change it by loving it. We actually think we change it by serving it. That was Rich Wilkerson Jr. Make sure to check out his new book, Friend of Sinners. I don't know. Listening to Beckon. The song is Cold as Ice. So good. Well, this week's show is also brought to you by RX Bar. RX Bar is a whole food protein bar. What does that mean? Their bars are made with 100% whole ingredients. They want to be transparent and upfront with their customers, which is why they label the core ingredients like egg whites, dates, and nuts on the front of the package and ingredients that make up texture and taste on the back, like 100% real cacao, coconut, etc. I, I uh, Jesse, I'm packing my uh, RX bars for our trip. Just mm, FYI. I will be sure to steal some. <laughs> <laughs> uh, beyond being a go-to snack that checks off a number of nutritional boxes, RX bars actually taste delicious. They found creating a bar made from real whole food ingredients actually tastes better than anything else out there. They don't need the fillers, the additives, the chemicals, or the added sugar. RX bars come in 11 delicious flavor varieties. They're gluten-free, soy-free, and dairy-free, and there's no added sugar. Uh, and th- I have a box in my, <laughs> in my desk, actually, here at the office. Um, they're great to just toss in your backpack or in your bag for the plane. They actually aren't kidding. They really are delicious. I, I used to have uh, another kind of protein bar that was my go-to. Yeah. Uh, fully switched over. Uh, we got- well, you know who else wasn't kidding? What? Me. I'm going to steal some <laughs> because they sound delicious. <laughs> and I'm woefully unprepared and will be having night terrors. I need something on the stomach. So I'm taking dangerous psychotic medicine. For 25% off your first order, visit rxbar.com slash relevant. Enter promo code relevant at checkout. That's 25% off your first order. You know what I did? Uh, I, for, I fell in love with the bars, went over there, took advantage of the, uh, the, the, the 25% off, you know, because it's for the first order. I just ordered a ton. I ordered like I ordered like six boxes and stuff because I was oh, like wow, 25% wow. off. Juke well, the system, yeah, man. Exactly. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. 25% off well. your first order. Visit rxbar.com slash relevant. Enter promo code relevant. 
Jonathan Merritt is a contributor uh, to publications like The Atlantic, The Week, Religion News Service, New York Times, and Relevant. Kirsten Powers is an author, a USA Today columnist, and a CNN political analyst. This spring, they're launching a brand new show on the Relevant Podcast Network called The Faith Angle. Each week, uh, the show looks at the intersection of faith, politics, and policies and explores the issues that matter to people of faith. We recently spoke with Kirsten and Jonathan about how to navigate these often complicated issues and what Christians should be most concerned about. Here is Jonathan Merritt and Kirsten Powers. So what would you guys say is the uh, the elevator pitch for the faith angle, if you had to describe it in 15 seconds? We've used the tagline, um, a survival guide for the faithful in Trump's America. And what we're really, what we're really uh, getting at there, and we talked about this a little bit in the, in the teaser, is that the, the 2016 election changed everything. And everybody sort of intuitively realizes that. And what we're what we're trying to get at is the way that that this moment in American history has created particular challenges, particularly for people of faith. And so that's that's what we're talking. We're going to be talking about a lot of the same issues that other people are talking about. But we're getting to what we're calling the faith angle, which is sort of that component that really matters to people of faith. Both of you have been covering faith and politics for longer than just the the Trump moment. Um, I guess it's Trump moment. It feels like the past hundred years, but the Trump moment that we're in. How surprised have you been? Like, did did what happened in twenty sixteen was still happening today come to you as a surprise, or did you see this on the horizon? Right. So uh, those are so for me. Those are two different things. The first one I would say I definitely saw someone like Trump coming down the pike, just not quite yet. So, And by that, I mean, what I saw was uh, every election, especially if you look at uh, the House of Representatives, you saw a lot of anger at whoever was in power. It didn't really matter whether it was Republicans, Democrats. You would just use these votes against whoever was in power. And there was a lot of frustration. And so you saw this frustration bubbling up. And I always felt like at some point, they're going to, people are going to do something really radical. And I consider choosing Trump a very radical choice. You know, even for a lot of people who voted for him and would say, I don't love him, but I really wanted somebody that was going to shake up the system and do something different. So I guess it just came a little sooner than I was expecting. On the second half, no, I did not predict what would ha- what happened with um, evangelicals. And maybe Jonathan has a different perspective because he spends more time closely following evangelicals, whereas I do it sort of occasionally, um, but I was surprised at uh, how they fell in line behind somebody who really does not share their values or at least their stated values and um, and not just grudgingly supported him, but enthusiastically, enthusiastically supported him. We are all familiar with people like Eric Metaxas. I'd also throw somebody like Jerry Falwell Jr., Franklin Graham in there, who've been very enthusiastic in their support of Donald Trump. What, from your perspective, is the is the opinion or the approach of the Christians who are far more guarded in their support of Trump, uh, but still pulled the lever for him in November? They they 
would agree with almost everything that you've said, but still, by very large, overwhelming margin, said he's still the guy. He's still the person I'm voting for for president. What's the what's the motivating impetus there? Well, a lot of people who voted for Trump didn't vote for Trump. They voted against Hillary Clinton. They believed um, this notion that they had two choices. Now, you had some people who realized they had. Uh, a multiplicity of choices. They could vote for another candidate. They could write in a candidate. They could not vote. But a lot of people conditioned by our two-party system sort of come to the the voting booth with this idea that you can either vote the person with an R or a D. And given those choices, because of all of the hatred of the, the Clintons, I think, among Christians, because of her general unlikability, uh, because of her the scandals that were that were uh, that were coming up during this time, people just felt like they they couldn't vote for her, and so they would vote for whoever was not her. And I think a lot of people did it with a bit of um, wishful thinking. You know, you remember uh, Trump was saying, you, you, "You're never going to believe how presidential I'll be when I get elected." And I think there were a lot of people who thought, "Well, here is this um, bombastic." Uh, entertainer, but he's a good businessman. He's got some solid instincts. He'll surround himself with good people. I think many of those people, if you look at his approval rating, some of those people are disappointed. Some of them are not. Some of them have just sort of made peace with their decisions. But I think people who have that logic are, they're more respectable in my view than someone who sort of courts a cognitive dissonance. You know, if you think about someone like a James Dobson, so a James Dobson who kind of led the character counts movement uh, against uh, Bill Clinton and said, you know, we need to have someone really respectable in the Oval Office and who adheres to these XYZ Christian values that now is saying, you know, like uh, Franklin Graham said the other day, well, he's not president perfect. That was his response to sort of this reported payoff of the porn star. Well, he's not president perfect. Or you'll, you'll hear people saying things like, um, you know, we're electing a president in chief, not a pastor in chief. Um, those kinds of arguments are arguments that were made by people who opposed the religious right 20 years ago. And so that to me is what's more surprising is the people who basically flipped the script and you've seen the data on that, right? Uh, that, that white evangelicals are now one of the, the most, the largest constituencies in the U.S. to say you can be a, a person, an immoral president and still do your job. And that number has flip-flopped. It used to be really low, I think in the 30s. Uh, now it's in the 70 something percentile. And so it's not the folks who voted uh, for Donald Trump as a vote against Hillary Clinton that bother me as much as people who sort of um, now praise him as if he's some sort of paragon of religious principle. Yeah, I, the thing is, I think the one thing you have to remember is people generally, when you talk about how people make decisions to vote, the way they generally do it is they choose who they want to vote for and then they make the argument to support that decision. That's just all, you know, the research would basically show that. It's not, you know, we'd like to think that it's based on I'm this really principled person and I'm not a hypocrite and I hold everybody to the same standards. But really, that's, that's not what happens. So the question is, should evangelicals be held to a higher standard? And I would actually say yes. Um, and I'm not evangelicals, Christians in general, faithful people, um, in the sense that you can't, like Jonathan just laid out, you can't say, uh, you know, 
when, when Bill Clinton's cheating, that that's just, you know, character is the only thing that matters and we don't care about anything else he does. And then when we have, you know, all these accusations against and even admissions from the president, uh, well, he's not, you know, the pastor in chief. You can't be a hypocrite. And we know why, because we all read the Bible, right? I mean, it's not like, it's very clear how Jesus felt about particularly religious leaders who are hypocrites, but hypocrisy in general. So if you're a Christian, you know, can we can we talk about that? And we will talk about that. Like, we will talk about that with Eric, for example, you know, to try to understand that. Um, because I think that the, the answer probably that I, I've gotten from the, from the people that I know is it's about the court. So they feel like it doesn't matter that, that they don't like Donald Trump or that Donald Trump's done all these bad things. What really matters is you've got to keep the court in conservative hands in particular because of abortion and religious liberty and these other issues. And I don't know that that's not a defensible position um, if, if you weren't one of the people who was screaming about character and all those other things with Bill Clinton. So that, that's kind of the problem. I think it's, it is the hypocrisy and it is the question of what kind of witness. To me, it always comes back to what kind of witness is this to other people. And I think for a lot of people who already have problems with Christianity, they just say, Ugh, you know, this is not, this is a political movement. It's not uh, about faith. It's not about a relationship with Jesus. And I think in the end, that has to be the most important thing. Um, and, and I don't think, I don't know that, that people are appreciating that. That was Jonathan Merritt and Kirsten Powers. Make sure to head over to iTunes and check out the trailer for their brand new podcast, The Faith Angle, which is launching soon. listening to The Neighborhood. The song is Void. Okay, it's time for your feedback. Uh, as you know, if you've been listening, two out of the last three weeks, we started this segment with our, our new uh, Listener of the Week segment. Um, a little behind baseball, uh, while you were listening to the interviews and stuff just now, Annie had to bounce. So Annie is not on this final segment. But magically, you will hear her say goodbye at the end of the show. So the, that's the, a little something that's going to happen. The power of radio. Yeah. The power of radio. Yeah. So, uh, so Jesse and Tyler and I are here and we still want to do the listener of the week. So it's time for this week's. You listen to the show and it's time to get to know you. It's the listener of the week. This week, uh, Joshua Hernandez is joining us. Welcome to the show, Joshua. Bienvenidos. That's my tagline oh. when I become a permanent resident of the relevant podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I like it. He's got a, he's got a, hello. I like it. Hey, I, uh, uh, Jesse, why did we select uh, Joshua? Do you have his three facts in front of you? I do. I do. And I selected him for a couple of reasons, partly because of his facts, partly because we were corresponding on Twitter uh, in DMs a few weeks ago. And when it didn't work out for him to be on, he said, darn it, I had my monologue ready. So honestly, <laughs> that was part of the, the reason. Um, but okay, here are he, you actually after <laughs> after the three facts. I said let's confirm three the three facts, and so I have a lot here. So um, <laughs> here's the three I want to talk about, Josh. Okay, yeah. 
I want to talk about uh, you and your son almost get a, getting arrested for trying to hug uh, Joe Kim Noah at a Bulls game. I figured um, you're a man after our own heart. I also want to talk about how you and your son ended up in a David Blaine magic trick. And finally, I want to hear uh, about your kinship to Eddie because of your Eagle Scout credentials. Those are the three facts for Josh Hernandez. Josh, tell us how uh, what happened between what transpired between you, your son, and Bulls star Joe Kim Noah. Well, he's on the Knicks now. But oh, oh yeah, that's well, right. This happened, this happened a few years <laughs> ago. Um, it was a, it was during the NBA playoffs. Uh, the last game, one of the last series that Coach Thibodeau coached for uh, the Bulls. And I told my dad, I've been a lifelong Bulls fan. I told my dad, "Come on, let's go up to Chicago, go catch the series. And while we're at it, let's go meet Benny the Bull. I figure if you can get your kid to love your team, you've succeeded as a parent." So Benny the Bull is the best way to get my son to love the Bulls. So yeah. I got the package so that way we can meet Benny the Bull before the game. Wait, hold on. They they have a mascot package. Not not a player package, but a mascot package. A mascot package, yeah. So we got to meet Benny the Bull. He came and met, met up with us during the game and stuff. But we're down on the floor, and Joaquin Noah, who's our favorite player because he's grit and grind, and he was just doing all the small little things. He's there <laughs> shooting free throws, and I'm like, hey. Ham, which is his name. Well, it's, his name's Abraham, but I call him Ham. I'm like, Ham, look at this Joe Kim Noah. Go run up to him and go give him a hug. No one was protecting oh, no. him or anything like that. There was security around, but... <laughs> no one was protecting if, him, so you told wait, your wait, son... Wait, so he's are... on the court, shooting yeah. basketballs, shockingly without a bodyguard next to him. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Now, if I were to go do that, I would probably get arrested or something like that. Right. But you can't right. arrest he's a, a cute kid. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So, so he, he? He, he chickened out. He chickened out. Oh. But I'm always like, I'm always telling him, look for look for situations in your life. Now he's now he's eight. I'm always like, oh, yeah. look for situations in your life so that way you can go ahead and um, <laughs> experience different things in life. Yeah. So David Blaine came to yeah. El Paso a few months ago, and I got tickets, <laughs> and I t- and we had a meet and greet before the concert, and he, I told him, you know what, you know, it'd be a pretty cool experience if you were to actually. Uh, do a magic trick for him because he had received that magic uh, magic kit like several months before for Christmas. Yeah. So he practiced his magic trick for like weeks on end. We get up to do a, uh, the meet and greet with David Blaine. He kind of forgets about the thing because we're just meeting David Blaine. As we're walking away, I'm like, hey, didn't you want to do something for David Blaine? Well, he does the magic trick for David Blaine. And they're like, oh, David Blaine, like, played along. Now, if a grown man like myself were to do, hey, David Blaine, let me do a magic <laughs> trick for you. <laughs> it wouldn't go, but when an eight-year-old yeah. does it, it's actually pretty yeah. cool. Yeah, okay, Josh, I'm going to pause you right here, because here's what I love about Josh so far. Is You know how you hear about these parents who live vicariously through their children, <laughs> and they're like, you know, like a hardcore like football dad or something that pushes their kids a little too hard because they didn't have the glory on the field? <laughs> Like Josh is living vicariously through his son, but for awesome stuff that's not yeah. going to damage him as an adult. Yeah. Like, hey, go run onto a, a, an NBA court right now. And and by the way, can I say that I, I love that your favorite player was Joe Kim Noah because he does all the small things. I appreciate that about you, Josh. But the other thing too is like you know, I, I have a feeling you are more passionate about doing a magic trick for David Blaine than your son. But you got him to do it because you know the reaction would be better. And I appreciate that, Josh. That's why you have kids to do chores, exactly. to bring you diet cokes while you're watching TV, and to to live out all your like funny ideas. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. but again, he can't get arrested once he turns 18. He goes off his record. 
Whereas me, it stuck with me right. for the rest of my life. <laughs> yeah. L- l- listen, those restraining orders just don't go magically away at this age. He's eight years old. Let's go harass David Blaine. So David Blaine was impressed by his trick. Yes, sir. And then later on, once he met and uh, did the meet and greet with everyone, he came up and was like, "Hey, I got a few magic tricks." Well, during one of those tricks, he picked out my son and did that. Did a a trick for him. He like he was part of the trick. And we still have the card where he put his his initials on it and picked out his card. I have it on video. My description does it no justice whatsoever. Does he have a bent knife or fork? <laughs> did he? Yeah. Did David Blaine impale you or your son or himself? <laughs> <laughs> well, so it just uh, it just say my soul's been sold to someone I don't know yeah. who the highest bidder or something like that. That's yeah. one of those tricks. Yeah. Well, fi- finally, your other your other interesting fact, and I'm, I'm, oh, I'm, yeah. I'm bummed Eddie's back. not here with us, but I do want to get you, uh, because Eddie talks up the Eagle Scout thing. Eddie acts like if there is any scenario that he basically <laughs> becomes Bruce Willis from Die Hard because of his Eagle Scout training. How, how enthusiastic of an Eagle Scout are you, Josh? Well, for the longest time, not I was Eagle Scout over... Order, order of the bow. Long time listener, okay. as you can tell. Um, yeah. But since Eddie's not here, and I hear that he was a, he was upset and didn't want to talk to me, I have to go back That's to right. order of the bow now. There you go. But, Thank I like you. It. You made the right choice. Yeah, Eddie was, <laughs> Eddie was uh, scheduled to be here, uh, but when he saw the show rundown and saw that we were calling Joshua Hernandez, he said, "I'm out," and he just walked out. I, I don't and, know. and you know what? The the kind of guy, the kind of father that Josh is, who's you know pushing his son into these uh, legally precarious situations, that sounds like oh. a bowman to me. That sounds like the kind of guy we want in the order. <laughs> if people have no idea what we're talking about right now. Go listen to podcasts from about three or four years ago. <laughs> it's important. Yeah, it's it's our it's our uh, um, it's for people who aren't Eagle Scout material. We started uh, who are who I guess what did they have like the Order of the Arrow, which is like yeah. the elite Eagle Scouts or something. Josh. Well, it's like a different different. It's part of the Eagle Scouts, but it's like a different organization and stuff like that. But I've been so far removed, <laughs> like I don't remember much of it yeah. anymore. Good, you've been banished. <laughs> Oh man, that was like an early podcast for me. All I gotta tell you is my Eagle Scout ceremony. Um, I would prefer not to talk about it because my parents are still traumatized by that experience. Um, oh, wow. oh wow! So, so you're so what you're saying is you're persona non grata with the Boy Scouts right now. <laughs> When they need a check, that's when they call me. Oh, oh, right. All right. Well, thanks for joining us. Listener of the week, Joshua Hernandez. Hey, thanks for listening, man. Thanks for hitting us up. It's uh, This is a lot of fun. Hey, no, thank you, guys. Um, can I share a real quick story real, real fast Please. with you guys? Yeah, yeah. You, yeah. With, with your podcast, um, several years ago, my son that I was talking about um, was involved in a very serious accident. And during like his hospital stay, um, your guys' podcast was one of the things I would listen to like just to, when I got away and stuff like that. <laughs> and so you guys actually um, brought a lot of uh, laughter to my life during that time by listening to your guys' podcast. Um, oh, so I just wow. want to tell you guys, thank you. You guys are doing like you did the podcast, between spirituality and everything like that. And it's helped my faith. I talked to Cameron a few months ago regarding that. Um, I just want to tell you guys are doing a good job and keep it up. All right. Hey, thanks a lot. Yeah, awesome. Thanks a lot. That means a lot. Josh. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks, Joshua. It was great talking to you, dude. Thanks. I appreciate you guys. Hey, thanks, you guys Josh. Care, okay. And thank you for the opportunity. Right, you too. Thanks, man. Okay. Well, it's time for your feedback. Uh, remember last week, we didn't have a question of the week because, uh, you know, inside baseball, we're doing two shows in one week and uh, spreading them out for you. So yeah. we don't have yeah. any listener feedback. Um, but we do have 
this week's editorial question of the week. Hey. Uh, Annie suggested this before she bailed. Uh, she said, clearly, the question of the week has to be, what would you do to ridiculously spend $42 million? Yeah, you have to spend $42 million in the most hilarious way possible. But here the caveat is, <laughs> it cannot help people. It cannot be <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> for the benefit of like humanity. It has to be the equivalent of building a massive 10,000-year clock and burying it in your mountain. Uh, you know, <laughs> as useless as that. $42 million. I would build a fleet of actual size Noah's Ark. It, like, I'm not talking like, I'm guessing they call, I'm guessing those, those life size Noah's Arks that they're building, that that guy built in Norway. Yeah. They can't, they, they, there's a lumber, right? That's got to be like a million bucks a pop. They can't be any more than that. I would have 42 of them and just <laughs> sail them and it'd be very hazardous in harbors around the world. Harbor, it would be the harbor hazard fleet, yeah. and we would just sail 42 life size nose arcs around the world. I'd probably just, I'd, you know what I'd probably do? I'd probably spend all 42 million of it trying to find a way to to like sneak along on you guys' upcoming trip here and just cause trouble. <laughs> hey, I, I would build the most gorgeous mansion you've ever seen out of fine crystal. Like it would be like one of the great wonders of the world. And then I would tee up a golf ball and just whack it through there and just watch it shatter everywhere. It would be hilarious. Hilarious and awesome. People would love it. People would give you a lot of joy. I think so. All right. Well, hit us up on Twitter at Relevant Podcast, or you can post your longer ideas on the podcast episode page at relevantmagazine.com. And we will read our favorites next week. Many thanks to the show's sponsors for making this episode possible. Remember, with Blue Apron, you can check out this week's menu and get $30 off your first order with free shipping by going to blueapron.com slash relevant. Also to Quip, Quip starts at just 25 bucks and you can go to getquip.com slash relevant right now and you'll get your first refill pack for free with a Quip electric toothbrush. And also RX Bar. For 25% off your first order, visit rxbar.com slash relevant and enter promo code relevant at checkout for 25% off. Thanks also to our guest, uh, Rich Wilkerson Jr. You can follow him on Twitter at Rich Wilkerson Jr. His book, Friends of Sinners, is out soon. You can pre-order right now on Amazon. Also to Kirsten and Jonathan, remember to subscribe to The Faith Angle now at iTunes or wherever you uh, listen to podcasts. You can subscribe now. The trailer's up. Uh, it's going to be a compelling show. I can't wait. The new issue of Relevant is out now. We told you about it last week. It's our 15-year anniversary issue uh, in print. Uh, it's exciting. Uh, John Legend is on the cover. A lot, Ava DuVernay is in the issue. There's a lot going on. You don't want to miss it. You can subscribe now at relevantmagazine.com. You'll get it and a year's worth uh, of, of magazines mailed to you. It's um, it, We think you'll like it. It's a pretty good deal. Yeah. We have a good deal going on right now. So go check that out at relevantmagazine.com and pick up uh, the new issue. It's available, I think, at almost all the Barnes & Nobles if you were looking for it on the newsstand. Yeah. Well, on that note, we'll wrap it up. Jesse and I have to leave for Wakanda in a few hours. So we're going to, we're going to, we're going to get some, get some sleep. Yeah. Guys. I mean, if you're listening to this, there's a good chance that I'm screaming over the Atlantic right now <laughs> in, a, in, in a, just a panic. So uh, enjoy, enjoy, have fun, you know? All right. Well, on that note, we'll wrap it. I'm Cameron Strang. I'm Chandler Strang. I'm Annie F. Downs. I'm Tyler Huckabee. I'm Jesse Carey. We'll see you guys next week. I'm a dead man walking, I got nothing to prove. I'm dead already, ain't nothing that the devil can do. I'm a dead man. Thank you for listening to the relevant podcast. If you like what you heard, be sure to leave us a review on iTunes. 
Check out other shows from the Relevant Podcast Network in the podcast section at relevantmagazine.com. And while you're there, browse exclusive podcast merchandise at our online store. Make sure to subscribe to Relevant Magazine. Info is available at relevantmagazine.com forward slash subscribe. I'ma kill my ego. Putting blood in the ground where he go. Feeling like a hero. Listening to beast mode. Cause I've been flipping tables in the temple on my soul. So the gold of who I am, like it was dope and plastic bags. Now I'm holding on the hope of what I have. With a coffin broken open and a dagger in my hand singing. I'm a dead man walking. I have malaria pills and sweet dreams every night. Real horrific, vivid ones.